Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hey everybody, I'm super excited. Um, as you know, uh, I'm sponsored by Panasonic, but I'm trying for the sake of you guys to be completely unbiased in this podcast as much as I can. And so I'm actually going to start out on this series of camera manufacturers with Sony. And so I have with me uh, Eldin Nodia. Um, did I say this right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yep. Um, he's the senior product information manager uh, from Sony. And so uh, he's the perfect person for us to be talking to here. Um, he's going to be able to have basically uh, any of the info that we're looking for. Um, we're going to really focus um, on the stuff that's important to you guys. I know Sony's doing some amazing stuff on the still side. Um, but of course, most of y'all are probably using their low light monster, the A7S series, um, whether it's the A7S or the A7S2. Um, so we want to talk about that. But um, first, uh, yeah, tell us about yourself. Okay, so um, uh, African-American. I'm white. <laughs> so just because you can't see me. Uh, yeah, born in South Africa, uh, moved to the U.S. Um, I don't know, probably I think I'm on my 16th year here now. Uh, been with Sony for about 12 years. Uh, been in the uh, uh, camera group for, I think, for maybe about 10 years now. And uh, my primary focus, I started off with in, in, in Handicam. So my background actually is in the uh, in the video side. Nice. Perfect. And, uh, you know, so I've got, you know, I think 12 years of NAB under my belt. Yeah. Um, I used to have that camera. Or uh, one of the Handicams. Anyways. One of, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Handicam is 30 years old. And, you know, I think yeah. just about every home in America, I think at one stage we figured it pretty much had a Handicam in it at some point. Sure. Um, so, you know, obviously uh, started my... Uh, career in the digital imaging group in the on the video side, and then slowly grew to uh, being senior product information manager over all the uh, uh, all the other cameras and uh, lenses, of course. You know, as we started growing the uh, Alpha lineup. So, so are you you said all the cameras. Are you specifically focused on Alpha series? Do you do the FS cameras as well? So it's very interesting how uh, Sony talks internally about our uh, camera groups you know they usually in, internally it's like the pro group and the consumer group okay. um, which is kind of a misnomer because there's a lot of people who you would consider consumers using FS and above and there's a lot of professionals who you, you would consider professionals I believe that any professional that's using a product whether it's a cell phone to you know an F65 or an Arri Alexa it doesn't matter what it is um, if you're using it to create art if you're using it to run a business and capture images that that you know is you're going to sell or show i believe you're a professional at that level you know if you're just yeah. an enthusiast and you you know you, you're using cameras for yourself that's great so much of it comes down to intention um and to you know mastery of the craft to storytelling um and honestly to you getting paid you know exactly uh, exactly so you know it truly if you're getting paid to do this um you're a professional at some level right, right. Um, regardless of of your skill level and that kind of thing um, people are paying you to do this. You're a professional, yep. even if it's part time. Yep. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I, I actually yeah. I, I know a uh, um, uh, an amazing, amazing wedding videographer. This guy is absolutely incredible, and uh, I met him years ago, and he was shooting on Sony's EX series. You know, obviously long before the FS series came out, and um, you know we started working together. He started using some of the Alpha 
uh, products and he uses FS products. Um, lately, he's been shooting weddings and he charges a premium. I mean, he, he charges a lot of money uh, for weddings and the, and basically he gets flown around the world. Um, he's been shooting weddings on an RX100 Mark IV. Oh, really? 4K. And really? Yeah, in, wow. the, in the entire wedding, and I, I mean, that's, I haven't heard that story. I haven't heard a story of anybody doing that yet. So that's interesting. Well, yeah. it was interesting because he actually sent me uh, a clip to this one wedding, and he said, "What do you think?" And as normal, when you have a look at his stuff, it's it's cinematic. I mean, it looks like sure. you know, Krubeck or somebody like that shot it. It's absolutely. So he's not even mixing in other cameras. He's just, nothing. Just, wow. One okay. camera. One. One camera tiny, with with a built-in yeah, lens. Yeah, thousand dollar. Point and shoot, basically. So, so no more excuses, uh, right? I mean, yeah. the, the gears. We, I really, I truly believe, and this is why um, I'm. I feel like I can, you know, to some extent, really be unbiased, is because I really believe that the cameras have gotten to a point now where they're not hindering you, even from an entry level, uh, you know, sub one thousand dollar camera. It it shouldn't hinder you from being able to tell a really fantastic story. And for it to look beautiful, like the cameras have just gotten really freaking good. Right, right. That that's exactly it. And you know, you it, it's obviously important to realize that you know not all cameras are are made equal, and not all sure. cameras at the same price point are made equal. So it really has to do with the choice. And you know, and and that choice of the RX one hundred series. I mean, that camera it's the best selling you know professional grade point and shoot and that's yeah you know, i see them I, at my I've, neighbor's houses all the time you know sitting around the coffee table or whatever yeah right. yeah it's amazing i mean i've been to trade shows where i've been to competitive booths and you see their sponsored photographers with their big dslrs on their shoulders and and this actually happened at nab to me yeah and you know i show up there looking at what my is sorry I'm sure. <laughs> I was waiting for you to shout. Sorry, out I, 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 I really, I really out. didn't. Really, <laughs> you, you might want to cut that. Um, I, I show up and have a look at what you know they, they're 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 doing, and I'm you know I use my Sony RX100, and I'm taking photos of you know their their copy cards and seeing new specs, and uh, you know their pro photographers on the other side. Of, I've got one of those, and then you know the guy next to him with a DSLR. I've got one of those. I've got one of those. I've got them. You know, there's it's a great camera. Yeah, there's ten of our competitors. You know, with their DSLRs, and they're shooting with our RX100s, which is great. So I mean, people when it first came out, people were mm-hmm. like comparing it to the Leicas and and you know that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're they're incredible. So so basically, um, going back, you know, what I what I essentially do at Sony. Um, I, I have a couple of different hats as the product information manager. And it, it depends on where you look in our HR structure. Some places is product expert or whatever it is. Um, but I'm part of the uh, launch team, which is very small at Sony, and and the you know we, we do that because obviously the proliferation of uh, rumor sites and and things like that really, really harm what we're trying to do, and, and it harms it in the sense of um, you know slowing down sales or giving false information and, and, and people, you know, then, you know, backlash at us like, oh, you know, this rumor site said that you were launching this. Why didn't you? And it's like, well, we never ever planned that product. So we try and keep it sure. on the low down. You know, we, we keep it very tight, you know, close to the chest. So there's I'll a try small... to see if I can make you still fill the beans anyways. So I'll <laughs> do my best. You can try real hard. Okay. It's not going to happen. We already got you to do the Nikon thing, so. Uh, what, uh. what thing? I didn't say anything. <laughs> um, so the, the uh, you know, Working on launch and, and creating all the content, so I, you know, the, the custodian of the uh, product content and distribute that all out to our, you know, retailers and to the media and that type of thing. So that that's the part of it that I do, and then obviously attending events and uh, being a, um, you know, I plan all our DI trade shows, and um, 
you know, deal with uh, or, or work with a lot of our artisans, you know, and then a lot yeah. of other photographers in terms of giving information. And then, you know, as a Sony spokesperson. So that's some of the many hats that uh, that I wear. Awesome. Very cool. I've, I've really enjoyed seeing some of the work from some of your artisans here at WPPI. Um, really inspiring work. So y'all got a great team. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it, it grows um, exponentially. You know, I remember uh, eight years ago when we started the program, you know, we started off with six artisans and then it took us, you know, almost five years before we added two more. And then uh, just in the last two years, we, we've jumped the program up uh, to about 45 artisans at the moment. And then okay. we also have what we call the uh, Alpha Collective, and and that's a you know a group of maybe not as recognized photographers in the photography world in the sense that you know like Patrick Murphy Racy with multiple covers on Sports Illustrated or Brian Smith who's a Pulitzer Prize winning photographer or Christina Mittermeier who is an amazing uh, uh, you know uh, environmental photographer who's you know speaks around the world and and you know does TED talks and all that type of stuff. These, these are guys that maybe aren't on that side of the artisan program. So the collective is usually, um, you know, it's made up of a, a body of folks who have just ma- absolutely massive, you know, millions of followers on uh, social media. And, you know, we found them through just the tremendous amount of work that they're doing with our products and the amazing art that they're creating. So do you have any filmmakers on the team? Actually, we have a number. So Jeff Berlin is um, a really interesting uh, guy. He's a very close friend of mine. Um, I met Jeff a couple of years ago through a shoot that we were doing with Disney and uh, he wasn't shooting with our product. And I said to him, Hey, you know, why don't we, you know, give you a, a camera to use. He took it on his next shoot. He was shooting for a fashion magazine and uh, an amazing shoot. He got the cover of the magazine and a massive spread and he did everything on the Sony. And he said he took his other camera with him. He said, I'm not spilling the beans on who he was with before. <laughs> he, uh, he took his other camera with him as a, as a as a crutch, and he said he never used it, and he never turned back since. And since then, he started shooting. Um, you know, he came back to us and he said, "Look, I'm I'm shooting uh, this um, uh, ad for Norma Kamali for Fashion Week." He, he was a fashion photographer, and he and he you know stepped up to that, and somebody spotted him on that, and he shot another ad and another ad. And long story short, he actually um, uh, shot a film on um, you know obviously as, as the uh, DP, but not as the, or, or and, and sorry, I think it was a DP and co-producer, um, which was released and is now, uh, you know, on, I think it might even be this week that it's going on to iTunes. And uh, it was shot 100% on the A7 series, the A7Ss. So, okay. and, and they, you know, they took like five A7Ss because what you do on a movie shoot is you always have a backup. Yeah. And back um, your backup, yeah. And they shot the entire movie on the primary camera, and uh, the only other shots that they got was on their one of the backup cameras. All the other stayed in the box, and the other backup camera was only used for uh, covering shots. So okay, yeah, nice. So, and then Sony Pictures is shot on. Uh, they just recently shot a film that they um, they in the you know processing phase at the moment that was shot entirely on A seven uh, S's as well. Wow. But then. There's a number of the other artisans who um, have either switched over to video. Uh, a lot of folks will know Jason Linnea, and he does a lot of video. He's you know still a photographer, but I know he's you know, making a lot of YouTube content. But he's making tons. short films as well, things like that. Or? Exactly, and, and okay. you know, so so all the YouTube content, obviously, everything is shot on Sony, and then sure. you know all the other the, the the short films that he's starting to produce now is also shot on Sony. So they are you know obviously we're a film company originally. If you if you go back. You know, thirty years. Like I said in the beginning, Handycam is thirty years old. Sure. Um, our broadcast side, uh, and you've been to NAB, I'm sure. 
Um, when you go to NAB, you know, the Sony booth is the largest booth at NAB. It's massive. And, sure. you know, it shows our strength in every single tier of video. And this is where, you know, at a show like WPPI, photographers don't realize that. They don't realize, you know, I originally, I, I would say five or six years ago, before we started getting this traction and this critical mass in the Alpha series, um, I would show up at a WPPI and, and people would say, well, you're not really a camera company. And I was like, well, you've never been to NAB. You go to NAB and, you know, we have F65s, F55s, F5s, you know, global shutter cameras shooting, you know, films like Avatar, you know, competing right. with the Arri Alexis. And I remember, uh, you know, his whole thing when he made Avatar was like, I'm waiting until the technology arrives that I can do this properly. And he used a Sony. Absolutely. You know? yeah. EP1 shot on a Sony. You know, there, there, there's so many. I, there's a, a list as long as my arm. I'm a tall guy. Um <laughs> You know, well, that's one of the things I appreciate about Sony is, um, you know, whether or not you use the cameras, you have to appreciate them because they're pushing everyone else forward. Because, I mean, at this point, uh, the way that they're innovating, that yeah. you guys are innovating, yeah. it has to push everyone else in the market forward. Right. And, you know, that is actually, it, it, I, I'm, I'm glad you've recognized that because our key message when we were planning on uh, CES and uh, what our presentation was going to be there um, and what our presentation is at WPPI, our takeaway uh, right now, our, our main message is we want people to know that we're the most innovative company in the world. We're the most innovative camera company in the world. You know, we're also the largest sensor manufacturer in the world, which gives us an edge over everybody else. We know that a lot of our competitors yeah. use well, our sensors. They're almost all Sony's. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So there's something that we know about uh, the future. We have the roadmap of what is coming and what is available in sensor technology. And we're not just talking about more megapixels. We're talking about different sensor structures that we develop. Sure. Yeah. yeah well, and it's, you know, like you said, different sensor structures. So, you know, that was the sort of the revolutionary thing about the A7S is when everybody else is in this megapixel race, you guys think differently. And you said, what if we made a 12 megapixel sensor on a full frame, you know, a 12 megapixel full frame sensor. And so we have really large pixels. Exactly. And then you just blew everybody out of the way with what this thing can do in low light scenarios. Right, right. And, you know, our primary focus with that camera was obviously, you know, hitting the videographer market. Sure. And and that was a monster. The A7S was an absolute monster when it came out. And, you know, our tagline for the, for the A7S Mark II is return of a low light legend because we honestly feel that we made a legend with the first one. I have yeah. to agree. I mean, there are certain cameras throughout history that do, like, they revolutionize things. You know, obviously, the Canon 5D Mark II was one of those cameras that completely changed the oh, game yeah. for yeah. filmmakers. Vincent Lafare, good friend, and he made a absolutely amazing video that just launched the entire DSLR or HDSLR, as it, folks called it in those days. I mean, if it wasn't for that, I'm sure somebody else would have made a good uh, presentation, but that, that really did kick it off, and that's, you know, one of those iconic cameras that will live in history forever. Exactly. I'm, I'm sort of a, I like to, you know, study the history of things. You know, it's like the Pentax K1000 was, oh, you know, it. beautiful camera. Uh, I still own one. Yep. Uh, the 5D2 was revolutionary. Yep. The GH4 was GH4. revolutionary. Yeah, you're a Panasonic guy. That GH4 is, is a killer in the market. I mean, yeah. what, a, what a phenomenal, phenomenal 4K camera. Sure, and it's one of those that, um, you know, even though the GH5 is sort of, you know, it's as you as you call the A7S2, the return of a legend in in, in its own right. Um, it it's one of those where it can stand on its own, even though this new cameras come out. You're not, you know, you can still produce amazing films for another, you know, five years or however long the camera lasts until it crashes, just like you can 
with you know the original A7S. Right, right. And there's you know there's so many other things that um, it, it's kind of interesting. Even though I, I'm, I find that I feel I'm on the forefront of the technology and what's coming out. A lot of the times, our uh, engineers will surprise me completely and you know we'll be speaking to them about the one thing and and you know we talk about market direction that, that's one of the other functions that we have here as the product group in, in the US is we gather a lot of information and a lot of intel and obviously you know we use the products we, we work with photographers our professional our, our, our artisans you know our artisans aren't just there to promote our products our artisans are there to help us develop products and which is why we have artisans across the entire you know gamut of photography and videography we want to we want to know how can we make our cameras better and that that is probably the number one key thing that we have and why i think sony is is really leading this charge in in you know the future of digital imaging is our response to customer demand customer needs and um, you know the voice of what we hear in the market you know we, we take that back we take everything that anybody says no matter how big or small they think it is and we go and we discuss it and we present everything back to our engineers a lot of the times you know i think light bulbs go off in their minds and in their engineering way they come back with something completely different but so much better than what we even thought possible sure you know it's incredible so um i'm not gonna ask you to throw anybody into the bus here but I will say um, there's there's a lot of people who, due to you know just the the simple fact that you can buy these cameras anywhere, they started off on a Canon or Nikon um, DSLR um, because they're at Best Buy and they're at Walmart and Sam's Club and you know so that's what's available and that's what you you know exists right right, right. Um, and so I talked to a lot of wedding filmmakers who are shooting um, particularly on a Canon. It's, you know, I think they probably still have the biggest market share by far from, from what I can tell anyways, um, from wedding filmmakers. Um, and so that's a lot of our audience. Yep. Um, so talk to me about what's the advantage for someone um, who is currently shooting on a 5D, a 7D. What's the advantage to switching to a, uh, you know, for example, an A7S or an A7S II. So, this is where the next forty-five minutes is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is absolutely no reason why anybody should be shooting video on a DSLR because a yeah, DSLR is agree not more. made for video, right? And yep. and and all the problems that and people say, oh no, I get great video out of a DSLR. And we started off this conversation by saying you can get great video out of just about any camera sure. if you know how to use it properly, right? So people have, you know gone through the frustrations, gone through, you know, learning about it through videos on the web or all the other stuff. The biggest problem with a DSLR is that it has a mirror in the way. Yep. And until technology actually, you know, changed in terms of sensor, again, going back to Sony sensor technology, what happens with a DSLR? You've got a mirror in the way. Its only purpose is two things. One is to reflect light through an optical viewfinder, and the other one is to reflect light to a autofocus system, and you could possibly even say to a metering system, right? So maybe three functions sure. in a lot of cameras. The minute that mirror moves out of the way, because you cannot shoot video through that mirror, unless, of course, you have the Sony A99s or 77s that have translucent, translucent mirrors, yeah. right? And if you think Innovative about it, again, a translucent yeah. mirror is essentially a, a mirrorless camera, but the mirror is in the way to double your focusing power sure but the 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 mirror moves up you have no viewfinder and then you use utilizing your main sensor and most of those cameras have uh you know your phase detection disappears which is the reason the dslr is made was for phase detection 
Otherwise, you would just use a range find or something else. So, you know, sure. so rumors out the way. You can't see through the viewfinder. Now you're using contrast AF, which is slow, um, you know, and it really doesn't work properly. Right. Once you started getting, you know, dual pixels and some of the camera manufacturers have dual pixel technology, and, and in ours we have phase detection AF on the sensor, that changes the game because now the sensor is as fast if not faster and in fact most cases with our newer cameras much faster than what you can get off a dslr case in point our a6500 a lot of people don't know that camera is actually the sensor is aps-c if you're shooting stills sure but for video it is actually a 6k uh super 35 sensor really that a lot of people don't know that okay so and not only is it a 6k uh super 35 sensor but it also there's no line skipping, no pixel binning. It has 425 autofocus points that cover most of the sensor. So you, you there's no jaggy edges. There's no artifacting, color artifacting, because there's no pixel binning. It utilizes every single pixel over across the entire width of the sensor. And it has 425 AF points. It'll focus... I mean, that's like 200 more than even the GH5 has. Absolutely. Yeah. And it'll focus... It's the fastest focusing camera in the world. It focuses in 0.05 of a second. So attaining focus on that camera is just incredible. And being able to... And it's not just getting the focus. It's being able to track that focus throughout the entire frame. The algorithms that are built into it for you know, face detection and face tracking. So it'll actually track, track faces and scenes. You can actually even program it to recognize specific faces and prioritize those faces. So let's say, for instance, you're shooting a wedding. Sure. And before the wedding starts, you take a photo of the bride, the groom. Actually, the, the mob is the uh, number one person in, in the uh, or second person, right? <laughs> yeah, Everybody yeah. knows what the mob is, correct? You know what the, the mob is? The, uh, the bridesmaids or? No, uh, the mob is the... the, uh, the, the the person you got to please more than anybody else is the mother of the bride. Oh, mother of the bride. Mother oh, okay. Bride. If I if I see it written out, <laughs> right, right, yes. right. Yes. So so you make sure that you program everybody in, and you you know you can get you know up to five faces programmed in when you're out shooting and there's a big crowd and you just want to follow your video, and you set it on face priority. If the bride steps into the frame, it'll focus on her and it'll track her throughout the entire frame. Yeah. If the bride steps out, it'll shoot to the very next person, which would be the groom. Yeah, that's brilliant. Right. I love that feature. Uh, we have that on the on the Olympic series as well. It's amazing it's incredible. feature. Yeah, incredible. And you know, uh, and I, I get a lot of wedding you know videographers that I speak to, and, and when I show them that feature, the, the light bulbs just go off, and they Seriously? Like, why can't my five D do that? Yeah, well, it's not a live view camera, right? Sure. It's, a, it's a DSLR. It's not made to operate like that. So these all these inherent things that are in a DSLR that aren't really built, they, they're built for incredible still cameras, they're not built for incredible video cameras. Can they shoot incredible video? Absolutely, because they have a large sensor. Sure. They can also, you know, utilize different lenses so you can get these cinematic looks. Yep. Um, the other downside that I find is a lot of the DSLRs don't have decent codecs. You know, they shoot mm. motion JPEG or, yep. you know, some, some uncompressed format, which really doesn't benefit a wedding videographer. So, uh, Talk to me. I was talking. I was talking with Sean from Lumix, um, who we're actually going to put on the next podcast um, right after this one um, about about the codex, right? So the, the GH4 was writing uh, 4K at 100 megabits per second. I, I'm I'm uneducated on on the codex for the Sony uh, A7S series. So in in all our sony's um right from the rx100 series our, our point and shoots uh, all the way up even into the fs series 
you know, we're shooting uh, MP4, and usually that's used as a proxy if you want to do dual record, uh, and that's only for HD. There's AVC HD, uh, as everybody knows, that was the de facto standard for sure. camcorders for, you know, ever since HD came out. Sure. Um, it never really got adopted into other DSLRs except for Sony's, you know, okay. uh, and then XAVCS and XAVCS, and and you'll see other brands coming out with similar XAVC codecs, but XAVCS is a um, extremely robust or extremely uh, efficient is probably the right word to use. Extremely efficient. It's it's almost lossless. It's an extremely high resolution, uh, high detail codec and you and you can capture a lot of a lot of detail but it compresses enough to um not make your files you know like the, the, your files what's, what's like the megabit per second rate on this? so then the two megabits per second so normally all the cameras will shoot um 420 8-bit internal right at uh, either 60 or 100 megabits per second okay and so then your frame rate perfect yeah, yeah so yeah up to 100 megabits per second then you get your you know 24 and 30p in 4k uh, I know the GH5 has got 60p coming out with it, which, you know... Super really, pumped. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and 10 bit, which is great. Yeah. Um, no more banding on those blue skies. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And and this is, a, this is a very interesting thing. We've done a lot of side-by-side comparisons with um, uh, the 8-bit on our camera. And the efficiency of the XAVC codec... Uh, dealt in with the other picture profiles that we have, which I want to get to in a second, um, actually gives us an image where, you know, I, I've sat in, I've sat in suites where they're actually grading, uh, uh, you know, A7S and A7R footage to mix with, you know, Arri Lexas and F65s and the, the color, uh, colorist is sitting there grading going, I, I can't tell which is the difference. Nice. This can't wow. be an camera. So there, there's a lot more to it than just the, the color depth. I mean, and, that's a serious recommendation. Yeah, exactly. And and, and looking at looking at that, um, you know, when you go externally, you get 422 uh, uncompressed. Um, so you can go Out of like up. a, like a uh, Shogun or something? Or, exactly, yeah. Okay. Or for, and, and now, uh, even going, you know, so one of, one of the standards for um, HDR is actually 10-bit. Uh, yet we're right. managing to get um, HDR out of our A7 series, you know, at 422, 8-bit uh, uncompressed. And the footage, you know, we've shown this on HDR TVs at shows like CS and NAB, where it's just mind-boggling. And then people saying, well, it has to be 10-bit. And then you show them the image side by side and they go, oh, well, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that I'm I'm beginning to be blown away is the way that camera manufacturers are innovating outside of what we thought kind of was the science scientific realities exactly. of things it's like um you yeah. know I've, I've gotten my hands on the gh5 for the last week and i always you know and like most people thought okay the only way to make uh the only way to make high iso better was by either making larger pixels uh, or just you know an improved sensor but you know the way that they've rethought it is the way that they're actually processing the image exactly. giving you an extra two stops of light right you know? and and you have to think about it in that sense you have to think about it in the sense of it's not just one thing it's a combination of things that actually give you your end result you know? yeah and and you're absolutely correct it's you know it's the codec it's the bit rate you know it's the um the, the, the processing is a large part of that. Sure, and, that's, yeah. and that's, again, you know, where Sony has a big advantage. You know, we make 
you know, our own sensors, our own lenses, our own processes. You know, we make the batteries, we make the LCDs. Most of the other companies don't. And, sure. you know, we're, we're, a, we're a truly an electronic company, but we're also an optical company. You know, and this is, this is you know, going back to the beginning where people were saying, well, Sony's not really a camera company because we didn't have a tremendous amount of DSLR glass at the time. Sure. And, you know, yet you look on our professional broadcast side and the, you know, the, the, massive amount of product that we do the audio products the switches the uh, yeah i use y'all's new uh y'all's new audio transceiver receiver kits and they're brilliant i'm getting amazing sound you walk into any high-end uh you know tv station you know whether it be you know cnn or cbs or abc it doesn't really matter you walk in there and you see the the quantity of sony compared to everything else you know we're that company and then bringing that into what we actually manufacture and, and that part of that whole thing is also, you know, we were talking about DSLRs and, and the downfall is the lenses. Right. You know, and being the sensor manufacturer that we are, we know what's coming down the line. So we actually manufacture lenses. And in fact, the entire, so the A-mount series that, that we essentially inherited from Minolta when we took over the Minolta um, uh, DSLR division. And we, we, we did that for a number of reasons. You know, we, we were already making uh, sensors and components for Minolta at the time and you know they had the optics and we brought them in to to get the DSLR optics and the mount system which is where the the brand Alpha Mount comes from it used to be Minolta actually had their mount was called the Alpha Mount um, and that you know harkens back to 1965 they were the first company to come out with essentially an SLR you know and then Nikon in 67 and Canon in, uh, uh, sorry Nikon 66 and Canon in 67 the downside with some of those manufacturers is their lenses, and that's really where the problem comes into it. And I think Nikon probably is going to have the hardest time going forward. Um, a lot of mechanical drive lenses, um, and that's where we have difficulty uh, mounting those onto our cameras because they become manual mostly. And there are a couple of adapters out there that make them, you know, electronic. Um, some of the other manufacturers as well with their lenses, and, and and it's not just Canon and Nikon. I mean, it's it's a lot of the other lenses that are out there in the market. They, they're built for still imaging and they focus extremely sure. well and extremely fast with still, but you put it onto your camera and when you, you know, it focuses in video and anybody who's shot with a 5D will know this, some of the lenses make a noise, you know, sure. and you do that with a Sony and you put on any of those, uh, you know, original designed um, Minolta lenses and then later on as we started developing the Sony lenses, they make a noise. You know, they, yeah, they the, would... Uh, I remember I used to, I, I shot, I originally was shooting on Canon and I remember the, uh, the nifty 50 the 518 is exactly and it, no way you can do that there's no you know? way you could use it right and we and we had a, a bunch of lenses in our a mount system that does exactly the same thing sure. so when we started getting into uh video onto an interchangeable lens camera we you know looked at it in terms of lens design has to change as well yeah. and you know we started coming out with even a mount lenses that were you know with the supersonic wave motors they were 100 percent quiet they focus extremely smoothly and very fast in in uh video um and they you know si- and it's not just the focus it's silent aperture or in video terms i guess silent iris sure and then silent focus as well so it's very important to actually get that done and then the resolving power has to be there for 4k and beyond and you'll see our message when we had NAB and, the, and those type of shows in Cinegear, it's 4K and beyond. Sure. And then when we designed the E-mount series, we actually designed it way beyond what people are even thinking about possible in still image resolution. So we're talking about resolution, where does it stop earlier, right? Before we started the 
the uh, uh, podcast, um, we're thinking way beyond that. We're thinking where do where do we go beyond that? Where do we go beyond four? 4K, 6K, 8K in terms of video. Sure. So all our E-mount lenses have been designed um, specifically for video and stills equally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's to me like um, if you're starting from scratch here, you know, no true dedicated equipment or very little of it, um, and you're going to start investing some stuff, go with a manufacturer who's actually designing their stuff for video, you know, and that's that's part of the reason that you know i've loved the gh series for so long is that you know panasonic was really thinking about filmmakers um and truly the gh line is um you know it's a, it's a filmmaker's camera first um it's it still shoots great stills but um but it's it's a filmmaker's and, right. and i think uh i think most people are thinking about the a7s line specifically in that same way of okay you can take great stills with it in low light but people are mostly thinking about that camera for video because y'all have the other A7 line that's going to do, you know, just crazy high resolution right. um, and dynamic range and all that kind of stuff. So. Right. And, and you know, you, you talk about Panasonic and you have a look at their heritage and, and what they do. They're also a, you know, broadcast and production company. So you can see why the GH4 did so well is because... They know They video. know what they're doing, you know. Yeah. So so going, going back to... Um, you know, where we started, we were saying, you know, what is the compelling um, reasons for people to switch over from a, a DSLR? Um, you know, number one, our sensors are, are the best sensors in the world, which is why so many people use them. Uh, you know, the, the mount system that we have allows you to adopt any lens onto this camera. You know, you, I've seen people with Panavision lenses, PL mount Panavision really? lenses, massive you know $150,000 lenses and on the back you know they're strapped a small little a7s and <laughs> it looks looks ridiculous I'm sure it does yeah. but the the footage that they get out of it is absolutely incredible so sure. you know being able to adapt just about any lens onto the camera and then you know we were talking earlier about adapters as well sure uh, before this and uh, there's so many adapters in the market um, for the e-mount system you know you can literally go from any brand uh, almost any size lens, you know, almost, you know, Brian Smith has, you know, got a fantastic, fantastic review on adapters on his website. And uh, w- when you read his blog on all the different types of lenses, including, you know, medium format lenses and cinema lenses, it's it's really incredible, the, the versatility of the system. And I think that's honestly one of the, the main things that made the Alpha system, and especially the E-mount system, so successful is that in the past you lock yourself into a system you know you buy pentax you stuck with pentax you sure. buy a canon you stuck with canon you buy Nikon, you stuck with Nikon, and fuji etc etc and now suddenly you come out with you know a mirrorless camera that has a very low flange back distance right. i'll let on an industry industry secret for you so this I'll, I'll, I'll give you one how about that okay all right do you know what the e-mount stands for i don't so the flange back distance from the flange of the lens to the sensor is 18 millimeters. So they okay. use the E from 18 millimeters. Okay. That's the okay. E That's clever. Yeah. So so basically using the E mount, um, you can put on just about any lens. You can, you know, adapt it to do practically anything from still images to, you know, video. And, you know, moving beyond that, we, we kind of touched on audio earlier. You were saying that you have audio products. A lot of people don't even know the set as well is that the uh, 
MI shoe, which is our hot shoe, the, the multi-interface shoes we call it, sure. on the top of the camera, it looks like a standard flash shoe, which it is. But if you look in the front end of it, if you look from the back and you look towards the front, there's about 21 pins in there. And those pins are there for audio capture. So you can put on uh, you know, MI shoe uh, microphones, everything from the uh, UDP wireless radio frequency mics and those that can be used for you know lavalier or yeah that's what i'm using right there we go and uh you know there's an xlr adapter that goes in there we have two different xlr adapters the xlr uh, k1m and the xlr k2m you know one is one has got a umbilical cord so if i'm going onto a cage i plug it into the shoe and i can put my uh, xlr onto a cage or if i want to go straight off the camera running gun i can clip the x uh, the, the uh uh the, the number two on the top and then i have you know balanced audio now this is another interesting thing going into a dslr or other type of cameras you either have to mount this big bulky thing onto it or you have to go through your mini jack and you get you know third-party manufacturers who make xlr adapters but you go into the mini jack so you're basically defeating the, the weakest link the, the, you're defeating the point of sure. having balanced audio right yeah with the uh, xlr adapters that go into imi shoe you get true XLR balanced audio. You have all your controls, all your audio on the actual adapter. And if you're going into uh, uncompressed output, let's say, for instance, we're talking about going to an Atomos uh, Shogun or Flame or something like that, and you're getting uncompressed 4K video, you actually get uncompressed linear PCM audio at the same time. Sure. So you have a much better audio signal as well as a much better uh, video signal coming out of the camera without any big bulky adapters or going into a mini jack. So... You know, we, we think of it in terms of a video camera and saying, okay, this is a fantastic still camera. How do we make it a fantastic video camera? And thinking about things of, you know, the lenses, the sensors, the focus, the audio. And in addition to that, we go to the picture profiles and we throw in picture profiles, at, you know, things like S-Log right. to maximize your amount of dynamic range and being able to have S-Log on every one of our cameras from the rx100 you know the a6000 series um you know the 6300 6500 now the a7 series you know we we and which is why i mentioned earlier you have somebody like sony pictures actually using the a7s to shoot motion pictures because you know they can use them to mix with some of the larger cameras and you can have multiple small cameras that you know can be used as crash cams or you know you can slide one into a letterbox and you know get a great shot Yep, you can have a foot of it. You know, you'd have to cut the back of the box out and make your own special thing. But sure, you don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, right? and then you you can grade your your uh, footage at the end of the day to match exactly what you're going to do in cinema. You maximize yeah. your dynamic range. You maximize your uh, detail and your resolution in your image. Awesome. So, um, because because Sony is in uh you know relative terms sort of new to um you know producing these small format cameras the a7 line is is relatively new i know a lot of filmmakers who have switched to the a7s from um you know the 5d for example that's probably the biggest uh, switch that we're seeing is from a 5d to a7s um they're bringing all of their canon lenses with them um you know via metabones or photodeox adapters whatever they're using um and part of that, truly, I mean, you know, obviously they didn't want to go through the hassle of selling it or whatever. They were used to their lenses. Um, uh, but part of that was because Sony was sort of new to the game, they were missing a lot of the lenses that uh, filmmakers 
you know, it was their bread and butter, you know, the, the 2470 2.8, the 7200 2.8, some of the primes um, were lacking. And so they just brought those Canon lenses with them. From my understanding, and again, um, shooting with Lumix cameras, uh, I'm not intimately familiar with all that, but from my understanding, y'all sort of answered that cry for filmmakers. Talk to me about kind of the lens lineup. So that, that's that's another interesting misnomer. And um, it was it was interesting to me because we had shown up our lens lineup, you know, under glass counters at different shows. And it was actually at WPPI maybe about five years ago where I said, you know what? I, I get people at, you know, every other event that I go to coming to me, oh, you have Zeiss on your lenses, you know, in your lens lineup. Sure. So I made a Zeiss display and we put up all our Zeiss lenses. And, you know, right from the beginning, this is an, this is an interesting thing about Sony and Zeiss, our relationship, is, you know, we have all the same Zeiss glass that you would get on the other manufacturers. You know, you'd get the 2047 EF28, the same Zeiss glass with the T-Star coatings, the same. See, I'm getting schooled here. Yeah, the same. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Just educated. Yeah, it's um, old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know the the so we had the full lineup. You know the sixteen thirty five, the twenty, you know, the twenty four to seventy, the one of my favorite lenses of all time, the you know eighty five, um, the one thirty five one eight is just, just absolutely stunning lenses. The interesting thing is they all autofocus on Sony. So what Sony and Zeiss's relationship is, and you have the Sony lens versus uh, the Sony Zeiss versus other Zeiss uh, or lenses from Zeiss for other brands. And they're essentially the same lens, except Sony puts in the electronics, our supersonic wave motors. So they actually autofocus on a Sony. They don't autofocus on other manufacturers. Gotcha. That's the one thing that, that um, was an aha moment for a lot of people. And it was actually at WPPI, where we are now, a few years ago, where I put this display and literally stopping people in their tracks going, oh my gosh, Sony has a Zeiss lineup. Yeah. Now, the other lineup that we have is the G-Series, and that actually comes from, you know, Minolta's acclaimed G-Series factory, and this is really, really high-end glass. And we did people this... raving about this 85 G-Master. Yeah. Well, I want to get to the G-Master in a second because okay. that's our third premium line. Okay. So, Sony has, you know, our, our Sony lineup of lenses, um, and then we have the Zeiss lineup of lenses, and then we have the G-Series, and you'll find that there's, and a lot of people ask me, what's the difference between G and Zeiss? And so the main difference is um, Zeiss is obviously a Zeiss design with Zeiss optics, uh, Zeiss coatings, T-Star coatings, etc. Um, legendary stuff. Legendary stuff. Right. And I, I have so many Zeiss lenses and I cannot tell you if I use something else and I go back to the Zeiss, there's, they, they, you know, Zeiss is nice. It really is. Yeah. And so we have the, but you find that the Zeiss is typically focus on the primes. And right. the uh, you know the wide to mid telephotos, you know the, sure. the 16s to the 70 range. The G series um, has to have slightly different optics because the the way that the geometry works and the way that light uh, is transmitted through these lenses at higher uh, telephoto magnifications. When you start looking at the G series, they're typically your 70 to 200, 70 to 300, 70 to 400, which, by the way, is one of my favorite lenses. Every videographer needs to get their hands on one of those. I've got some incredible what's the, shots. What's the aperture range on that? It's actually a variable aperture, but you'll be shocked at the depth of field that you can get out of that because... Oh, sure, because it's such a telephoto. Such a telephoto. Yeah. Um, then, you know, we have the 300 to 8, the 500 f4. We have a massive lineup of, you know, high telephoto lenses that people either didn't know about or, um, you know, basically 
didn't didn't think of looking at Sony at these lenses. Sports photographers are using them. You know, I mentioned earlier uh, Patrick Murphy Racy. You have a look at all these stuff that he shot with. You know, our fast uh, prime glass. So the G series essentially fits in that. So when people say, what's the difference between the two? They're both, I would say, at the same quality. When you have a look at, you know, MTF charts and the sharpness, the lack of, you know, they, they both suppress uh, chromatic aberration extremely well. Um, they both suppress flares and glaring on the ca- on the lenses extremely well. They both have incredible, um, you know, uh, bokeh effect, the, the defocused effects. Um, they do have different looks. I mean, and that's really what makes lenses get a slight color or... The colors are very similar in terms of what they come out in the G and the Zeiss um, on the Sony lenses, and you know one of the th- one of the reasons why they designed like that is so that you know you're not shooting you're not shooting a, a an event for instance, and you have a twenty four to seventy Zeiss two eight Zeiss, and you put on a seventy to two hundred G, and and they look different. You don't want that. They need to look yeah. Look that's why I asked about color. So exactly, yeah. and it's a good question. And so so we we got to that point, and. Um, of having these two premium lineups. And this is something else a lot of people aren't aware of. We actually have about 77 lenses in our lineup. And if you look over the last eight years, um, Sony has actually launched more lenses than any other brand in a period of time, over, over that period of time. So I believe that's been fast. It I've has. Seen, yeah, yeah, I've seen a ton of stuff really fast. Right. So. And, it, and it's been a response to the market. And we've been trying to respond to the most demanded lenses. And I know there's a lot of folks out there saying, but I want this lens. And, and trust me, that they're coming. The lenses that you want are coming. It's just we, we you know, we, we're obviously going for the the highest demand lenses at the moment. So that being said, looking at the sensor technology, looking at where we're going, um, you know, there was time that we actually had to step up the game and go beyond what is currently on the market, even with lenses as good as ICG. and G. And we redesigned everything from the ground up. They basically said, scrap the factory, scrap the product, uh, scrap the machinery. Um, Let's not use those for this new series of lenses. And they literally designed the lens from the ground up. They designed, um, you know, what the lens had to be. Uh, they ha- they actually even designed the software that would simulate what the result of the lens would would give you. So literally, absolutely everything was redesigned on the G Master series. Manufacturing process, the factories, even the uh, material science that's used in the materials to build the lenses was redesigned. Hmm. And we came out with a lens that we think is is of the highest quality. And one of the ways of proving this is how they are actually measured on an MTF chart. Most lenses, uh, in fact, I think just about any premium lens is measured at 30 lines per millimeter okay. to make sure that you don't have you know separation from center to corner. And when you read an MTF chart, it'll actually show you the drop-off and where the lens will actually drop off in terms of uh, sharpness from center to edge versus... Um, you know, at the different apertures and also at your uh, different zoom ranges if it's a zoom lens. And, you know, uh, regular lenses are measured at about 15 lines per millimeter. And we set the standard for G Master to measure them at 50 lines per millimeter. So when Mm. you have a line chart and you're shooting it with our G series, it can show separation of lines without ghosting you know, from center to corner at 50 lines per millimeter. And that's really the benchmark wow. for the G series. So that's almost like 50% exactly. higher resolution. Exactly. Yeah. So the first part of it was resolution, and that's really how we measure it. You know, how do we get the resolution? The second part of it is how do we create the most pleasing looking image? 
and it, it had to do with bokeh and, and how we design the actual and grind uh, or, or mold and grind the glass to get the most pleasing bokeh and the sure. most pleasing foreground and background defocus and, and your points. And that's the other thing. So, you know, for us, the G series, and, and you'll find that there's a lot of very sharp lenses out there that don't have pleasing backgrounds. And there's a lot of lenses out there that have extremely pleasing backgrounds, but they're soft. Sure. You know, so yep. there's usually a trade-off. So our goal with the G Master series is to try and eliminate that trade-off and say that you don't have to settle for sharpness without beauty and you don't have to settle with beauty without sharpness. Yeah. You know, it's the best combination. And yesterday, in fact, oh, sorry, not yesterday, on the 7th, two days ago, we um, announced a new G Master, which is an incredible lens. I've been testing for a couple of days now. Um, it's the 100 millimeter uh, f2.8 and for your filmmakers, you'd like this. It's actually on the lens barrel. It, it measures T-stops. Oh, awesome. Um, so is, it, is it clickless? It's click and clickless. And I'll go through some of the features of this oh, new lens because this lens is incredible. But it's an STF lens. It's a smooth trans-focus lens. Now, there's only a couple of these ever been made in the world. Sony or uh, Minolta made a 135 f2.8. Uh, the original STF lens, the, the smooth trans-focus. Interesting thing with that lens is that two iris rings, two aperture rings that you can control. One was your depth of field. The other one was how your bokeh fell off. But it huh. uses an aperitization lens inside there to actually create your STF effect. Um, I believe... Uh, Boy, talk about innovation. Yeah, I believe Fuji made one recently. Um, and then, you know, we've just come out with, I, I guess it's now the third uh, lens of its kind in the world. And th this one is made as a G Master. So it has all the same G Master characteristics, nano AR coatings. It has ED, which is your uh, extra low dispersion glass. Um, it has a spheric elements. All those things, you know, the spheric elements um, help for, you know, spherical aberration. The ED glass helps for chromatic aberration. The, you know, nano AR coatings are, you know, you know, stop the glare and the flare. But then it has an aperitization lens element in it. And what this aperitization lens element is essentially a uh, a graduated uh, ND filter lens. So it's clear in the middle and it gradually towards the periphery gets darker. Now, a lot of people will look at this and say, so then I'm going to get vignetting in my image. And you don't. The, it's, that's not what that lens element is designed for. So on the um, aperture iris ring, and it, like I said, it's click and clickless. So obviously, if you're shooting video, you go to clickless, which is, again, one of those things we were talking about Sony designs with both video and still in mind, right? When you go past F8, and F8 is where you're still getting that clear center. Right. So everything F8 and smaller is going to give you a clear center, and you start going to, you know, uh, F8, F4, and F2, etc. The, you the the you start getting the um, graduated ND filter in that lens wow. actually coming through, and essentially what that does, it doesn't affect your uh, focal plane at all your your the plane that's in focus so huh. if i'm shooting a subject they are absolutely sharp there's no vignetting on your image at any point on any of the edges however your your uh foreground and background defocus those points of light that defocus those blobs actually drop off and they graduate as they as they you know so a little bit more solid in the middle and they graduate and it gives you the most realistic looking bokeh that you can get now, paired with an 11-blade circular aperture, it gives you perfectly round uh, points of light, 
And Most then, of the time you're using eight, and so you get kind of that octagonal. That's exactly it. And yeah. they also, and they also, you know, a lot of the other, you know, you'll see the 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 flat edges of the uh, aperture blades. We have round aperture blades or curved aperture blades. So, oh, brilliant! Yeah. Right. So you know, and you'll find that the G Masters, you know, have you know 11, 11 aperture blades, and they're circular. So you get these perfectly circular, awesome. beautiful points of light. Yeah. Now with this aperturization lens, it actually drops off those points of light, and you get this, you know, this gorgeous defocused effect, and the, the way that the lens is designed, and this is a lot of you know a lot of folks also don't know how your foreground and bokeh actually is different on many many lenses out in the market. But the the foreground and background in these lenses, um, if you have a point of light that's maybe two meters in front of your subject and one that's two meters behind your subject, they would be exactly the same. And and that gives you what they call a Gaussian uh, a function, which is basically just a, a perfect curve effect or a kind of a bell curve where you know, the center point of focus is in focus and equally foreground and background would be defocused. And you don't get, you know, some points of light in the background being bigger than your points of light in the foreground, etc. So, you know, th this we, we expecting is going to not only be a beautiful portrait lens, it's been a be you know, a stunning video lens. And there's a number of other features on there. You know, you, you have all your, your switches, your, you know, AF, AM, FM on and off. You've got your uh, optical steady shot on and off. You also have a an additional ring that you can change from, um, you know, your hundred more portrait to a macro function. Okay, which is great. Yeah. So, what's a lens like that run? What's that cost? That's actually coming into the market at about sixteen hundred dollars. Okay. Going to be available I mean, in, for what it does. Oh, um, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's like, to me, it's like two lenses in one. You know, you're getting sure. a portrait and a uh, macro essentially, and and you know the and it's a G Master, and then you get all these other functions. It's absolutely stunning. Yeah. Okay, so I've got a couple of questions you're probably not going to like. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I, I hear this often. Um, in fact, I was just talking to, uh, one of my buddies in Austin, we were, we were chatting on the phone last night and this weekend he was shooting an outdoor wedding, uh, it was about 50 degrees outside and he's shooting with the A7, two, he's got two A7S, I think one's a Mark one, one's a Mark two. And then I think the A6300 or 65, it's one of those. Um, but two of his cameras overheated and shut down. Um, during the ceremony, um, which is rough um, when that happens. So what do you guys, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of that. Um, what are you guys doing to fix this issue? Is this something you can do in firmware update? Is it going to have to be new hardware? What are y'all doing to fix that issue? We, we're making cameras called an FS7 and an FS7 Mark II and an <laughs> FS5. Okay. So you got to yeah. fork over the, uh, the extra few grand. Well, here's the thing. You, you're talking about a 4K, and in the A6300's case, a 6K sensor. And you know, I mentioned earlier it's a 6K sensor. It actually over samples. It doesn't. Comp uh, it doesn't. Uh, it's compress. It doesn't. It in 4K. This is the thing. It doesn't downsample. It over samples and records the images of 4K image. So you're actually getting okay. a, you're getting a 4K image off a 6K signal. Um, the you know, you're talking about an incredible amount of data coming through an incredibly small body. And one of the benefits of the Sony camera is the size. You know, it is incredibly small. It's incredibly lightweight, but it's incredibly powerful. Um, if he had been shooting with a DSLR, I, 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 would, I would lay down large sums of money saying that they would have shut down sooner because of the heat sink in those cameras. Sure. So, you know, it's one of those trade-offs and knowing the limitations of what is possible with the technology. You know, you but have at the a, same time, we've got small form factor, GH4, GH5, uh, because the where, where the, the issue is not having. 
So it's having a micro four thirds sensor. So, so that, is that the, is that what? So the that's my point. Is? That's my point, right? Sure. You you having um, much larger. You know, you go back to camcorders. Camcorders have got tiny sensors, in there, right? Really small sensors. You know, eighth inch sensors, etc. Really, really tiny sensors. Um, you you have to know the limitations of the tools that you're using. You know, carpenter's sure. not going to work, walk into a building and you know build everything with a hammer. You know, he has a. He so you're a, telling wedding filmmakers if you're going to be shooting a Catholic mass, don't be shooting on an A7S. If you well, here's the other thing that a lot of people don't realize as well. Um, any camera that's considered a still image camera, uh, due to U.S. tariffs, shuts off at 29 minutes 59 seconds anyway. So you know, otherwise it's deemed a camcorder. So, uh, is that that's just international, right? Because Correct. none of the GH series, in, at least in America, have any record limit on them. I'm not sure how Panasonic gets around that. To be honest with you, um, it's and it's not like the the other cameras don't have the capabilities of doing that. They absolutely do. You know, the, we we're using the same sensors in you know the the A6000 series. We're using you know the same size and, and technology sensors we're using in the Echo series. Those, those cameras can record further than that. They, it's just that. You know, they, they're programmed not to. Okay. Um, and, you know, you can, in the right conditions, you know, shoot with a A6000 or a 6300, 6500, you know, an A7, 7R, 7S for 30 minutes at a time, push record again, 30 minutes at a time, push record again, 30, or you can go to an external recorder and just record long form for an extended period of time and not have any issues and it really d depends on the circumstances that you're shooting in depends on you know the, the temperature that you're at what you've been doing up until that time you may have been recording a bunch of clips before and, and building up heat in the camera until that time the reason why it shuts down is to protect the camera you know you don't want it to carry on if it's getting to the the heat level where it's going to go beyond sure. and like i said those cameras have massive sensors in them and they're transmitting an incredible amount of data um you know, there's reasons why there are fans in computers. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, electronics get warm when, they, when they're working hard. And that camera's working really hard to give you the type of quality that we're, we're putting out. Okay. So there are a couple of workarounds in terms of that. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be heat sink generated by what's happening in, 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 the, in the body. You can go to an external recorder where, you know, you're not actually recording in, internally. And you're going to extend your recording time and not reach those heat sink issues. You know, if and if you if you're shooting a Catholic mass or you're shooting and I'm and I'm guessing it's a tight shot. I mean a wide shot. I'm guessing you're not going to be doing your close up. Uh, well, if you've got a long lens, you're going to do the close up. You may have a wide shot from the balcony or something. You know. Are you going to record the entire thing as a close up shot with depth of field? Uh, yeah. I mean, you'll have typically what I'm seeing most people do is like a three camera setup. Okay. Um, two long lenses, one on the bride, one on the groom, then a wide shot. Um, if you're running a three camera setup. But, um, I mean, it's a little bit more difficult in a Catholic mass yeah. because you have to move the, those cameras around. So you need two or three people to manage those. Yeah. Um, but typically, yes. You see, now that, that, that's where I switch to the uh, PXW series cameras when I'm using a uh, um, you know, slightly smaller sensor, you know, one inch or, or slightly smaller sensors. But I'm using uh, more telephoto lenses. And, you know, those are, you know, the, the fixed lens kind of run and gun style camera for those type of shots because the the even the type of depth of field that I'm going to get and the the image quality that I'm going to get is going to be exactly the same and I'm going to mix that in. You know, you, like I said, you have to use the right tool for the right job. Sure. You know, and those cameras are not the tool for that specific job. Okay. You know, and I and I don't believe any DSLR and or any, you know, many of the other mirrorless cameras wouldn't be either. You know, that's 
they're all going to have a, a problem doing what you're doing at the end. And, and again, it's, it's knowing limitations of what the, the tool can do and, you know, what you, what you want it to do. Sure. Okay. Um, so the other thing I'll razz you about just a little bit is the battery life. So my buddy, again, and I've heard this from others, he's bringing a dozen, literally 12 batteries to shoot a wedding, an eight-hour wedding. Um, I can run that one battery on a GH4. Uh, what's what's sucking all the battery life away? Are y'all doing anything to improve that in the future? Um, so yeah. a couple a couple of things again, and again, it's a trade off. You know, you look sure. at the, you look at the size of um, the Sony cameras, even compared to the GH4s, and look at the size of the sensor that's inside there, and the amount of processing power that has to go into it. You know, you're you're churning a lot more data that's going through, and then you're running a much larger sensor in there. It's it's going to chew through batteries a lot faster. So the trade-off there is: do you want a bigger camera with a bigger battery, or do you want a smaller camera with a smaller battery? Fortunately, the batteries aren't that expensive. Um, but there's also a vertical grip that you can get and, and run two batteries at the same time. So maybe that's your solution. Yeah. But the biggest thing that I think that again, one of those features that most people don't know about. Um, you can charge a Sony off a USB. Oh, so, so, so can you, if say you're shooting that Catholic mass, yes, um, and you happen to be able to plug in somehow, yep. uh, can you plug in while you're recording? Well, how about this? Why not get like a, you know, thousand milliamp? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, uh, a battery pack like for your phone. Battery pack for your phone and plug yeah. that in. Yeah, I love that. that I'll use that on my uh, GX85. It's yeah. not really a... a it's not great for wedding films, but it's nice yeah. for personal use. So that that's a cool yeah. idea. And and if you're going to yeah. lock down a shot like that, 99.9% of the time you can have a tripod. What I normally do is I have a battery pack that I have a little piece of tape that runs around the leg of my tripod. Sure. I have a little USB cord that goes up. Nobody even sees it. And I make sure that that's charged before I go there. And that won't actually run the camera. What it does is kind of an interesting thing. It actually charges the battery while the battery is running the camera. So okay. the battery is being charged while it's actually running. Awesome. Okay. And Very that'll cool. that'll extend your life. Now I, I do a lot of you know long exposure type stuff, and I'll you know set the camera up overnight and let it do a time lapse, for instance. I do the same thing. You know, I plug in one of those and set the camera and forget it. Awesome. So we're running out of time, um, but I I gotta ask. Um, I'm here because there's so much buzz. Um, we talked about this briefly with GH5. 4K 60p, 10-bit, uh, in-body image stabilization, limitless recording. Um, what are you guys thinking as, because you guys are such innovators, I know you're thinking something about this. What's, um, you know, anytime there's there's a new innovation uh, from one brand, there always there has to be a response to stay competitive. And that's that's part of the great thing about what a competitive market that we have right now. What's the response to a camera like the GH5 for wedding filmmakers? Yeah, it's it's a great question, and and I'm, I'm guessing you know what I'm going to say that I can't talk about you know future technology. But you know I mentioned this earlier. Um, you know Sony is incredibly good at uh, you know looking at the market, not only just responding but leapfrogging what is happening in the market, and seeing how customers are responding to things and responding you know in in the, in the right way back towards that. Um, it's interesting that you say that about Panasonic because we, we look at Panasonic very closely and see what they're doing, and they're doing some incredible stuff. You know, the GH series is just absolutely incredible. You know, I have a look at a lot of the other brands, and, and it doesn't seem like they're doing anything. You know, they, yeah, they, 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 I feel the same way. Yeah, you know, we, we add a few megapixels. You know, we'll add one frame a second more or something like that. You know, and so I, I think 
looking at progressive brands and what they're doing and how the market's responding to that, um, it keeps us on our toes as well. You know, it keeps us looking forward and it keeps us, you know, evaluating the market and evaluating what's happening and what people are using and not using. And, you know, all I'll say is that, you know, I wouldn't say that we, we would respond to what, you know, Panasonic is doing just because Panasonic's doing that. Um, technology takes a lot longer to develop uh, than, you know, seeing what happens this week and coming out with something next week. So, you know, Sony is always looking at the future and we're always looking at what what is, you know, what is going to be the next thing? What's the demand going to, you know, where are the trends going? How can we... Uh, correct things, or you know, what what technology you were talking about, for instance, battery life and heat sink and those type of things. You know, what can we do to improve or solve those problems? You know, we're always looking at that, and we're always developing further. So, um, I, I guess stand by. You know, we've done a sure. really good job up until now. We've worked yeah. extremely hard and diligently to to build the brain to where we are, and we, we're going to continue doing so. That's so, exciting, and yeah. you know, truly, as someone who um, who's clearly not going to use a Sony product personally in its terms of a camera. I'm still excited to hear you say that because I know that that's going to push, um, that's going to push Panasonic further as well, because, you know, even though you're not saying, and I hear you saying, we're not responding directly to that. You're still looking at that and saying, okay, here's some other things that are possible. It Absolutely. does, it does spark ideas and yep. that sort of thing. And I know Panasonic and, um, you know, other manufacturers to a certain extent are doing the same thing. Um, and so it, like I said before, I've said it many times, uh, you know, competition is great for us as filmmakers because, um, you know, it, it pushes forward what we can do, um, tremendously yeah. so oh, oh, i always use this as an analogy you know if, if uh consumers just came and, and and demanded you know a better horse-drawn buggy they would get a better horse-drawn buggy you know <laughs> yeah you know, we, we we took it a step further and we developed the car you know and i right. think that's what's happening with mirrorless you know mirrorless is really the way of the future you know the 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 mirrored cameras honestly i think their days are numbered i really do i think yeah. what's what's happening is you. that mirrorless is definitely the way forward and you have a look at what the mirrorless camera manufacturers are doing you know olympus sony panasonic uji there, there's groundbreaking technology and groundbreaking um you know resolution and, and features and things that they are coming out in these cameras and, and we're pushing each other um and i think you know the, the sky's the limit i think where we go next is you know it's it's just going to continue to get better and and for filmmakers and you know photographers and and people creating art and people you know staking their livelihood and their living on these products i, I think that's really you know what what we're aiming at helping you know we, we're looking at the pro market very very seriously and i think that's you know really where we're aiming to be in the future awesome well i know we could talk about this for another hour or two if we wanted because uh, there's just so much there but um we are running out of time here so uh Eldine, I'm just so thankful that you did this. I know this has been super informative for me, um, for our audience as well, whether you're using um, Sony products or not. Um, you have to admire what Sony's doing. You have to appreciate it from, um, you know, from that competitive aspect I was talking about. Um, and so, yeah, thanks so much for spending the time with us, for informing our listeners um, to be able to make the right choice for them. Awesome. Thanks. Let's do it again. Okay. Sounds great.
So for uh, more information on uh, any of these Sony products and especially to check out, you know, any of our artisans and uh, the collective in terms of what those guys are doing, uh, make sure that you go to uh, www.alphauniverse.com. Great site. There's a podcast there too, just on Alpha products as well, as well as tons of images and articles. So check that out, alphauniverse.com. The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.